Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show, as you should know, that we go over a little bit about yesterday's slate, review some sharper players' lineups, talk a little bit about today's slate. I don't know if we got any got any weather today. We got a decent-sized slate, right? Isn't like 10, 12 games, something like that. Not like yesterday. Yesterday was 15 games. And uh, answer your DFS strategy questions. So I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Zuki Singh, Doug Montgomery, Matt Mears, Daniel Hutchings, Card Fan, Woo Woo J Train, Mike Blaze, Brandon McNeil, Frederick Dute, EOW2389. It sounds like you're a robot or something. Okay. Or is that your serial number? I don't know. I don't know. Brett Booth, Sterling Wood, Sal Correo. Just type them into the YouTube chat. Hit that thumbs up button. Give me those thummy thumbs. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. And uh, and yesterday, yesterday was a big slate. The ownership was pretty spread out. There, there wasn't, it wasn't as condensed as I necessarily thought it would be. I played on FanDuel. I, I didn't get there. I, I I had more than my fair share of giant stacks and, uh, and still didn't get there because I, I didn't have any Cleveland. I didn't play any Cleveland at all. And no, I played some like uh, Jose Ramirez one-offs, right? So like something like that, but no, like Cleveland stacks. Uh, and that pretty much was the winning combination. I mean, the Angels got there. I mean, they had a bunch of home runs, but you kind of needed that, like, you know, the, those those double dongs, right? Like Brandon Crawford, that type of stuff to, to get there. Uh, but yesterday on, on DraftKings, that's why looking at, like playing on FanDuel and then looking at the DraftKings uh, ownership is always a little bit weird. Because I, I take a look here at pitching. Because you see on Vandal, you don't have to play two pitchers. So, like, pretty much, I I mean, I still played pretty much the pitchers that were owned on, on DraftKings, right? Bieber, Glasnow. I played some Lopez. I played some Rodon. I played some Heaney. I played a bunch of Boyd. Uh, no Chris Bassett. He was a little bit a little bit priced up on, uh, on FanDuel in comparison to the other guys. He wasn't bad. Uh, and, I mean... As long as you got like, what it looks here, it looks like you got like 50, you got 50 or so out of your pitching spots, you were fine. I mean, Bieber was, I mean, 20 points. You didn't need to spend the, the price to get him. You'd much rather have Glass now. But Lopez at 31. I mean, Rodon at 20. I mean, Rodon and Bieber kind of, you didn't really need because Heaney put up 26, Bassett 24. Even Matthew Boyd, and he was cheap, put up 18.7. Right, Sonny Gray had a, a great three innings before he got injured. Right, three innings, five strikeouts, and then he's gone. Framber actually put up thirty at two percent ownership. So Robbie Robbie Ray's back, one percent on thirty five points. Uh, I mean, no one that I picked out played him or anything. Uh, but I mean, there really weren't many pitching duds, and there were multiple paths. You didn't need you didn't need Bieber Glass now, the the most popular combination. So we could see here across the board. I mean, some people played Nola. I actually played Braves against him. Uh, but for the most part, like Chris Bassett, like was practically unowned. Like he was 11% owned in the in the bat flip, but like all these sharper players that I picked out that, you know, played 150, came in the, you know, the top 1%, played none, right? Rodon, other than, you know, okay, I guess Piano Club and RBX and Ahubro played a decent amount. And then like RBX went like way under on Glasnow and obviously way over on Boyd. So he's building lineups that are like Heaney. So I see he, Heaney, Lamette, Heaney, Lamette, Boyd, 
Rodin, Rodin wasn't cheap or anything, but he was under on Bieber also. So he was building more lineups that had two cheap pitchers and expensive bats. I mean, on both sides, it's kind of hard. It's, it's Sometimes it's kind of hard to do that. Like even on FanDuel, I played a bunch of Matt Boyd and it's hard to even make lineups, right? After after a couple of lineups, it's like, uh, how many combinations could there be? Matt Boyd was like 6,500 on, on FanDuel or something, 7,400. And there weren't really bats to pay up for unless unless you were playing teams in in not the best of spots. That's why, you know, playing the Braves against NOLA. It's like, why not? I have the money. Why not? They'll be low owned. But then we look at the bats. I'm confused. I mean, I like I said, I didn't play on DraftKings last night. I played on FanDuel. What was the reason why Ryan Mountcastle is 14% owned? But, but we don't have the price here. Was he like 2800 or something? Well, I mean, he couldn't have been. I mean, look, if you take a look across the board, 4%, 4%, 6%, 9%, 2%. Why was he 14% owned in the bat flip? Got five points, whatever. Like, why was Winker nearly 17% owned? Like, just people just, oh, we had three home runs the other day. He's got he's to do that again? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't get that, right? Like, I understand Brandon Crawford against Jordan Lyles. Shortstop position was not the best yesterday. I understand people that played Lindor. Okay, I get that. Obviously, pay up for Tatis. I always get that. But, I mean, so, so Crawford makes sense. Stanton was underpriced. He's still underpriced. Uh on both sides. I get judged. New York uh, Yankee stacks were popular. Met stacks were popular, right? To some extent. I understand Margot, right? He was like 3,100 leading off. He got a home run. He started the game with one. So I get that. Like you get Lamont Wade. I get, I get that. I even get Christian Arroyo. I find you want to punt there at second base. But what, what, why Ryan Mountcastle? Because he just had a good week. Is there that much recency bias in in these in the large field DK tournaments? Because it's not like it's not like Baltimore was popular. I mean, we take a look down here. I mean, what 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 Santander eight percent? I mean, the stack wasn't like that well owned. Severino, okay, I guess it was. If Severino seven percent owned, I guess Baltimore was way more popular than than I, I would have expected on on DraftKings. The Giants, I, I expected to be somewhat on on DraftKings. They, they were lower owned on FanDuel. But the Mets, the Yankees, and the, the uh, Margot's 12%, and where are the other Rays? So I played a bunch of Rays on, on FanDuel where they were they were very low owned. Because Margot was like 3,100 on FanDuel. Like Margot, like they're the same price, but FanDuel 3,100 is is substantial, right? Meadows is like 3,600 or something. Like, like I understand that on, on FanDuel. But on DraftKings, it's like, well, Margot got ownership, so where's the rest of the Rays? People just, uh, too many people are just playing, like, oh, I'm just going to play 11% chalk one-off for no reason, right? I mean, he got there, right? He hit a home run. But these are the things I like looking at, like, you know, who who took advantage of it, like Winker. Winker's 17% owned. Where where are the rest of the, where are the Reds? I don't get it. Where are the rest of the Reds? Where's Votto, Castellano, 7%? So I guess, I guess. But look how much difference between the next, the red, 7% and 17%. Do people just winker one-offs? He's going to do it again. Got three points. I don't know. Was there some type of certain dynamic on DraftKings that led you up to paying for winker? Was he, was, I mean, he wasn't cheap, cheap, right? I know. I mean, I mean, I played cash. If he was cheap enough, I would have had him in my cash lineup, but I didn't. So I don't know. You tell me. I, you tell me, YouTube chat.
Why is why is Ryan Mountcastle fourteen percent owned? Right, Eric Haas is apparently Babe Ruth. Right, he was nine percent owned on the Tigers. I played some Tigers on FanDuel. Harper finally is 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 uh, maybe he's back. He had a home run last night. I understood the Astros. I expected the Astros to be the most popular. I mean, they were. I mean, it was it was mu- it's much more spread out than than I thought it would be. I thought the Astros would be double digits. I mean, they were close. Alvarez, 8%. Correa, 8%. Whereas Bregman, Bregman, Altuve. They, I mean, they, they were they were cheaper on FanDuel. So Fan, FanDuel, they were <coughs> they were supposed to be chalk. And actually, they came in lower. I think people were <coughs> uh, concerned about the, the rain. Everything played last night. But what I did, what I did yesterday when I was building my lineups is that uh, like Houston-Boston, like that game, uh, I, I, I set everyone to only in stacks. That's what, that's what I do. If I still want to play a game, like I showed up, uh, I showed off a lot of things in a uh, lineup base two yesterday, but like, if I'm concerned, like for instance, here, here we have the weather report. Oh no, Atlanta Philly, orange, yellow, late start and play. I mean, he's going to take a look at the radar closer to the first pitch or whatever. Right. But if, it, if there's a question, it's like, you know, late start and maybe a delay, maybe, maybe it gets postponed. Maybe, maybe, you never know, right? If you want to be conservative. Now, if you want to be conservative, you just X out the teams, right? You just say, I'm just not going to play anyone on the Braves or the Phillies. But what you could also do is you could go here. Now you go to the, go to the, go to the teams. So I'm going to go to Philly. Like, well, obviously we'd have the lineup. I mean, this is this projected lineup. And I just make all of them all in stacks, Right. I just click the boxes. There you go. Right. Which means the reason you do the reason you're doing this, like if you were not conservative at all, you just say, just okay, well, I'm gonna play the I'm gonna play the Phillies, and I'm gonna have 10% of the Phillies in stacks, and then whatever one-offs of these appear in other lineups. What happens if the game gets postponed? Well, all these one-offs start infecting all these other lineups. I'm starting getting zero. Here's a zero, there's a zero, everywhere is zero, zero. Now I don't mind like a four man, a four man uh, Phillies stack. Okay, zero zero zero. Okay, that lineup is just totally dead. Just throw that out. But if I'm playing a hundred lineups, I don't I, I I don't mind. Oh, postpone ten of my lineups are dead, rather than oh postpone twenty seven of my lineups are dead because ten of them are a stack and seventeen of them have other guys have uh, one off Gene Segura, one off Bryce Harper, one off this you know whatever and all my other. So I I set only in stacks so if it's going if it's contain the infection that's if you if you're being conservative the most conservative is to just x them out right i don't even need to deal with it the next next best way is to just you know okay i'm gonna have i'll have six percent i'll have you know i'm building 20 lineups i'll have two lineups with a philly stack and that's it that game plays and that goes off at least i have two Right, especially if people start getting scared playing the game, because then, then that ownership starts creeping down. Maybe that's what happened yesterday with the Houston with the the Red Sox Astros game. Did it? Maybe was that the only game with the scare? I mean, they they started playing right away, right? They they didn't have the tarp on or anything. I don't know. Just surprised to see the the Astros against Martin Perez and Fenway to be, you know, single digit owned. But really, no stack was that on. I guess the Yankees, 
right? Because you stand and judge, both 12%. It was kind of spread out. But even look, like Tatis and, and Machado, the Padres were owned. Well, not by sharper players much. Weird on DK. Typically, I could just, I could, I mean, I, I play cash on DK. I mean, I it depends on the slate. Like today, they're still having the $18 bat flip crap. So I'm going to play on FanDuel. I'll play GPPs on DK when they have, you know, the $5 and super knuckleball ball or the $8, whatever the hell, right? $18 a lineup. I mean, if I, I mean you can play 50. I, I would normally, I would play 50 lineups or in FanDuel, I could just play 150. The payout structure sucks no matter where you go. So what does it matter? But normally I could tell, normally I could look and go, okay, obviously this is what's going to happen on DraftKings and this is what's going to happen on FanDuel. I don't know. Still weird by why Winker's night 70 is the highest on batter. Well, I mean, it was it was fine. I mean, I played Winker. Yeah, it was fine, but 17% on a 15-game slate? I don't know. 11.01 a.m., let's see. Okay, going through the YouTube chat. EOW2-2389, the robot, uh, the serial number. Is that your license? Maybe it's, just, maybe it's the license plate. Wonder what specific things from good players should I be looking for in results DB? And how can I apply that to my future strategies? All you're looking at in, in results DB is how sharper players constructed their lineups for the contest that you're in. Obviously, this is a large field GPP versus how you did, right? Like I said before, RBX didn't play Glass now and played like two cheap, a lot of two cheap pitcher combinations. So if we take a look at RBX's exposures, for instance, that should back it up, right? We go here. Sort by just him, right? Boyd Heaney, Bieber, Lamette. Oh, see, he's still at thirty-four percent Bieber. So he had, ex- so he would have expensive stuff. So Mets, Alonzo, Harper, Phillies in a quarter of his lineups. Lindor, still plenty of Margot. Altuve, he's expensive second baseman, right? Alvarez, Hoskins, Judge, Tucker, Real Muto. So basically, Philly stacks, Yankee stacks. Met stuff because they, they actually got priced up on DraftKings, right? Astros who were uh, expensive, right? So, budget, I mean, it's kind of chalky though, right? Pretty, pretty chalky, but I mean, not playing, I mean, Glasnow, you could do that. So, that, that's, so that's what you would learn from that. Did you, t- did you even consider that? Like, that's, that's the thing that you should be thinking of. What types of constructions? Like if you're going in and laying, I built 20 lineups and they look nothing like anyone that and I pull up 10 different names and everyone has 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 0.67% of a guy of a stack and, and pitching combinations, you'd be like, oh, maybe, maybe you were a little off. <laughs> maybe you were a little off. Right. I take a look at this. It's like, okay, I played a bunch of Matt Boyd. I know I played on FanDuel, but I would have played a ton on DraftKings. And I would take a look. I go, okay, let me take a look at pitcher exposures and go, okay, well, most, I mean, yeah, other than Scorer Patrol and Piano Club, pretty much everyone else that I have up here, and probably I could pull 20 more people, were over on Boyd. So it doesn't matter how what Boyd did. Just like, okay, sharper players played more Boyd. Sharper players actually played more Denilson Lamette. I was more worried about the pitch count, but I'm assuming that's what uh, most people were worried about is the pitch count or Heaney. I played a bunch of Heaney. It's like, okay, this reinforces. It's like, okay, I'm looking at the right things, right? Then you take a look at, look at stacks wise. (coughs) What teams did they attack? (coughs) 
if we take a look here, a lot of times you'll see this yellow. You'll see the, you know, <coughs> underweight to a lot of the more owned batters and the more owned stacks. And you say, well, what stacks did they play? Right? You take a look here. Is it Yandy? Oh, look, Yandy Diaz. So at BK Reader played a bunch of the Rays, right? Yuli Gurriel, so that's Astros. You take a look here. Here's Ozzy Albies, Ronald Acuna. Okay, who's this? Ricky D. Went way on the Brave. I mean, that, that's contrarian. So let's say you decided to play, you know, some Brave stacks against NOLA. And you're like, even no matter how it did, did it do well? Did it not do well? You'd go and go, well, Ricky D played a bunch of that. So like, if you see that, like, no, no one went to the Braves, like maybe, maybe that wasn't the best move. You see here, I'm scrolling down, looking for the bright Brent Gardner here. Let's see, Isaac Paredes, but that's Tigers. Miles Straw at the bottom of the order over here. So who's this? This Mr. Good Seats. A lot of times you could tell by the catcher because most people put the catcher in the stacks. It's easier. Go to the catcher. Let's go. Come on. A little slow. Check all. Okay. Let's go to the catcher. A lot of times you could tell. See Gary Sanchez, Yankee stacks. Remuto, Philly stacks. You can see here, Will, but look, Williams Astadio. Okay. Twins, Hedges, Cleveland, Omar Navarez, Milwaukee. Okay, decent amount. You're doing this so you could compare you so you could compare what you did to what some sharper players did. And see what and see what the exposures are, see what the lineups look like, see what the field did. It's like if you played on DraftKings yesterday and you were surprised by the ownership, then you have to figure out why why was the ownership the way it was? Right? My first question is why is Jesse Winker 17% owned? My conclusion is recency bias. I don't know. I like I said, I didn't play on DraftKings last night. So maybe there was some dynamic where, where you were left with fifty two hundred, whatever the, his price was, and just fit in. And people didn't want to play Harper, didn't want to play Soto, and didn't want to play anyone else. Acuna against Nola or something like that. So I'm assuming he was expensive enough. Same thing with Mountcastle. It's like I have to, I have to assume that's recency bias. It's not like it was like I mean Mountcastle was like probably in the mid three thousands or whatever. He's okay, whatever. So that's what that's what I'm looking for. What are the answers to those questions? Brett Booth asks, I was on Baltimore, but now for the second time in a row, don't have the stack for a low-owned stack that puts up runs. Okay, Baltimore put up runs. What should I be thinking about when looking at lineup construction fittings? I don't know. What do we be looking? I don't even understand the question. We were on Baltimore. They, they, they scored 10 runs yesterday. You needed what, Franco? You need Franco and Mullins and who else? Santander, he had a home run, right? Valeka, he had a game. Baltimore, Baltimore, according to projected ownership, was going to be lower owned than their success rate. That didn't happen. If Mountcastle's 14% owned, they were over-owned. Johnny Compton says the BVP crowd was all over Winker. Oh, okay. Uh-oh. Well, that's why we want to play. That's why we want to play. If the BVP crowd is still playing DFS, that's uh, we we don't mind. We don't mind them playing that. Brett Booth said I faded Houston Boston because of the weather. Said so that yes, yeah, so that would that would decrease the ownership. And that's Wu J Train Astros should have been much higher on. Yes, I agree with you. If I played on draft like on, on FanDuel, I didn't play as much. The, the Astros, truthfully, were underpriced on FanDuel, so I expected 
I expected them to be owned, even with the rain threat. But actually, they ended up coming in like 8% on FanDuel. Had, had I would have expected that low, in comparison, like originally, if there was no weather in that game, the Astros would have been the, ch- the chalkiest team on FanDuel. They would have been 15%, 17% owned. That's why I was light on, on the Astros. I figured it'll go from 15 to 17 down to well, 10 to 12. I'm like, I'll play other stuff, right? They'll be in there, right? But not a priority. But once I saw like Alvarez at 8% and Correa at 8%, like I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe I should have, I, instead of playing less, I should have played more. But I don't know. That's Those are the things you have to judge. And how, how much is the field going to weigh this, this rain weather threat? I don't know. Doug Montgomery asks in the line of page, do you tinker with the max batters versus opposing pitcher? Uh, no, because that would be negatively correlated. The only time that I would ever consider playing a batter against my pitcher is on really sh- small slates where you don't have that much of a choice. Two game slates, maybe three, maybe three game. And even then, uh, probably not. I mean, it's definitely not on FanDuel. FanDuel with one pitcher, you don't even need to. DraftKings, when you have to pick two pitchers, that, that's what ends up happening. Because so many people on two-game slates do the, I'll pick one pitcher, you know, that they're, they're, the stacks are going to be the opposite of some of the pitchers. So if, if you have that team A, team B, pitching-wise, and C and D, so you're stacking C and D, the two teams that are not against the two pitchers that you have. So what ends up happening is these large-field GPPs, you get a lot of duplication. So by throwing in a batter against one of your pitchers, and hopefully it's just a solo home run. Like you, you're you're gonna be more unique. But on a 15 game slate, I'm gonna be nuts. Well, there's plenty of batters. There's, and everyone, they have plenty of people that are projected within point one points of each other. Why you why are you playing why are you playing a player that when they succeed, one of the other players in your lineup fails? It makes no sense. So no, you leave bat you want batters versus pitchers zero. I don't know why why. You would never change it. A showdown, sure, yes. Those types of formats, sure. Okay, Daniel Hutch is giving me the, the DK prices. Before, okay, Wicker 4,600, that, that isn't that bad. He's a much better player than people think, right? But it wasn't, but Harper was 4,800. So I played Harper. Mountcastle was 36, but I mean, it's his prior is not that great. But Daniel Hutchins says 150 maxers, if you combine them as a whole, Played 5.5%. Yeah, so like way less than 14. And 150 maxes played 10.8% winker, which is still, you know, a good seven percentage points underneath. Yeah, I mean, you could see, I mean, I'm <laughs> Daniel, you're just telling me what I'm looking at right here. Of course, I'm pulling them out just, you know, here, here's some, some one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you know, some 10 of them. But I mean, I could just look across and go like, uh, no, winker, winker was... It's not someone you jammed in, right? Uh, Rob Jeffries. Oh, the common, the common, common misconception with Rob Jeffries. Does FanDuel use soft pricing to attract the casual fan? The soft pricing seems like it takes the skill out of it. Nope. It increases the skill of it. The softer the pricing, the more that it benefits sharp players. The tighter the pricing, the more it benefits weak players. But psychologically psychologically uh casual users prefer the soft pricing like on FanDuel you feel like when you build a lineup on FanDuel you feel like you're getting good players right 
you feel like, oh, I could take Shane Bieber and I could play Jose Ramirez and I could play Giancarlo Stanton. My second baseman is Jose Altuve. Like you, you feel like no matter how you put it together, there's always some $2,400 guy that isn't bad, right? You're playing Tiki Hernandez or something like that. You know, someone that's 2,200 or something. Like it feels like you're, you, you feel like you have, it's easier build. You can, you get Tatis if you want. Like you feel better. But the pricing is very soft. But when the pricing is soft, the inefficiencies of those prices are much bigger. And the more inefficiency there are in the pricing and how do you make lineups, the more that it benefits sharper players. When when prices, when salaries are sharp, let's say, uh, like on draft teams, sometimes you feel like you can't fit people in, right? You can't fit people in at all, right? Like, oh, I want to play the top two pitchers. And then it's like, uh-oh, $2,800 punt play, right? Martin Maldonado would catcher, you know, something like that. That's what you're forced to do. It doesn't make you feel good. Psychologically, it feels like you're playing some really pretty crappy players, right? I'm going to have to, oh, I'm going to have to punt there. I can't get that guy. Uh, this is harder than I thought. No, it's actually more beneficial to to weaker players. When the When the pricing is more efficient, it doesn't matter who you pick. Picture uh, salaries that were compl- that were one hundred percent efficient, meaning that the salary matched to their expected output, right? On average, obviously, over you know the course of a million slates. That means as long as you spend fifty thousand dollars on on DraftKings in salary, you'll get the same amount of points. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you allocate it. I'm going to play a cheap pitcher and then pay up here. It'll all even out. That lineup, that median projection on that lineup will be the same. No matter what lineup you put together, as long as you, as long as you spend 50,000, the whole thing, 50,000 equals 140 points. No matter how you put it together, because it's 100% salary efficiency. So in that case, what skill, there is no edge anymore, right? There's no edge at all. Make, play whatever lineup you want. It's all equal to each other. And then it just becomes a lottery right? Because all the lineups, the expected value of all the lineups are all the same. So just a matter of, okay, here are my tickets, right? There's there's no skill advantage at all. Now, obviously you add the correlation, you add stuff like that, right? There's some, right? But if the salaries were all efficient, it wouldn't matter. There would be no, everyone would have the same point per dollar value, right? It was 100% efficient. So when it's not efficient, that means you could build that means you could build lineups that have higher projections than other people's lineups. You can. Because the pricing isn't efficient. And then once you add on top of it correlation and leverage, it's so much easier to do that on FanDuel when it's soft versus when DraftKings where it's not. It's harder. There's less lineup combinations. On FanDuel, people are more likely to like, oh, I could fit in my favorite players. Well, I could leave 600 on the table and I get on FanDuel. There are many times on FanDuel, many times every day that I build lineups that leave 1000 on the table that actually have a higher projection than lineups that spend all their salary. But what do casual players do? I'm going to play, play all my salary usually, right? I mean, or most of it, right? So they fit in, they have a lineup that's 34, eight, maybe. Okay. I leave 200 on the table. I have a lineup at 33 on the table that actually has a higher projection in that lineup and is lower on. 
what I can only do that because the pricing is so soft. DraftKings, you don't you don't get that, right? You leave a thousand on the table in DraftKings, you're un- unlikely to get a high a higher projection than other lineups that are spending the money because the pricing is much tighter. So the softer pricing benefits skillful players. Tighter pricing benefits less less skill advantage. That's mathematically, psychologically, it doesn't work that way. But that's 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 the irrationality of the human mind, right? So casual players go over to FanDuel because it feels like they could build better lineups. But in fact, they're at a bigger disadvantage. And then they go, oh, I don't want to play in DraftKings. It's harder to build a lineup. It's like, no, it's better that way because it's harder for everyone to build a lineup. So your lineup and versus a skillful player's lineup is going to be much closer on DraftKings than it will be on FanDuel. So that's why the misconception of, oh, they're, oh, softer pricing. They want the cash. Yeah, it's psychologically, but actually it doesn't benefit them. Okay, let's see. DFS Jenner Generate. Hey, Blender, can you go over your process on the stacks page? Check yesterday's show. I'll probably have to link up that show. We have to probably put that as a link. If you want a, a quick tutorial of like how an optimizer really works, watch yesterday's pregame show. Jesse Atfield. Okay. Feel free to save this for casual Friday. I was going to do this for casual Friday, but the soccer stuff. People, if people want to want to do that, I'll do that on Friday. Talk about soccer strategy for people that, that don't know. I could do that. Is stacking important in soccer? Well, I mean, on three game slates, probably you're not really, but you're not stacking everyone. I mean, like soccer goals don't, I mean, it's rare that you get six goals in a game, right? I mean, it, it, but typically you're correlating to some extent, right? Goalkeeper and defender, because they both get the clean sheet bonus. Like on a three-game slate, a lot of times, like you're 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 targeting one team, but you're not playing like six guys from them. Now, uh, now uh, to put it in perspective, uh, some international games, you know, it's Germany versus the Faroe Islands, and Germany has like an implied team total of seven or eight, and then then you're probably playing that. Then you then you're playing six guys from a team. But mo- even in the Euros, the, the 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 worst team that qualified for for the Euros, even against the best team, is is not going to it's not going to be that 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 big. Where you're just saying I'm just jamming in like six guys from a team. Most of these slates for the Euros are going to be three games, which is fairly small, right? I'm used to that in soccer, though. Uh, typically, you, you're trying to you're trying to get the goals and assists as as a as a correlation you're 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 aiming for like one team to win two to nothing and then you get both goals and the goalkeeper and the defender clean sheet you know that type of thing but most of most of the peripheral stuff comes from set piece takers so what like those are going to be the those are going to be the most popular uh players typically the most popular uh most owned players on a soccer slate are going to be the 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 players that have the highest anytime goal scoring odds, basically forwards that are more likely to score goals. Uh, but remember their floors are low. They're picture uh, center forwards in soccer, primarily as like homeowner bus type of guys. Like if they don't put up, if they, if they don't hit one out of the park, they're sitting there with not much of a score. And then, yeah. And then you have the set piece takers, the, the, the guy, the guys on the field that are assigned to whenever there's a dead ball, like they they take that free kick. And usually that free kick, like that corner kick, that free kick that is either a shot, a cross, 
it leads to an assist. He hits it and someone heads it in. And typically most teams have like specialists. Like there's someone that that's good at crossing and good at free kicks and whatever that maybe split, maybe on one side, you know, with one right footed ones or one guy and left footed ones or another guy. And the more possession that you have, the more likely that you get fouled and you get free kicks, right? Or balls go over the end line and you get a corner kick. So favored team set piece takers are typically the highest owned players, especially if they have a monopoly of set pieces, meaning they don't share it with anyone, right? It's not like a right foot, left foot type of thing, or, you know, you know, four guys, depending on how, I don't know how the weather is. I mean, whatever. Sometimes you never even know. Usually those are the guys. That's why like an EPL, you have guys like Kevin De Bruyne and, and well, not James Madison anymore. Uh, but guys that just, James Ward Prowse for Southampton, like he just, he, he, he plays 90 minutes. He takes all of their set pieces. It's not the greatest of teams, but like, like that adds up. So like a goal in soccer is 10 plus one plus one. 10 for the goal, one for the shot, one for the shot on goal. So it's 12 points total. These it, uh, A high frequency set piece taker for a favorite team could score 15 points just without a goal or an assist. That without just, just on crosses and fouls drawn and shots and whatever. That's why those are the highest. Those are typically the highest goal. You don't need to rely on a goal. But I'll talk, I guess I'll talk about it on, on Friday. Uh, Brett Booth. Oh, okay. You're trying to clarify what you did with Baltimore. How do you think about the stack in your process? Vomit one to four, bad expect stealing stack. I just put, I just play teams. However, it fits together, it fits together. Don't overthink it. Right? They put up 10, right? But you didn't probably, you probably didn't have Franco and Valleca. And that's the, that's the way the cookie crumbles. You don't automatically go for one, two, three, four. It's whatever fits. Remember, the higher in the order, the more they're more owned as part of the stack. But you didn't have to play Mullins, Mancini. Who was the third? Who did Santander and Mountcastle? You didn't have to do that. Who are you playing at third base? Well, maybe you play Franco instead, and you flip it around. It depends on who you're pairing it with. But also remember, on FanDuel, I'm making 150 lineups. So I'm just saying Baltimore, whatever. Whatever fits, right? And then I saw, like yesterday, I made Baltimore stacks, and I saw that all of my Baltimore stacks had had Mancini in it. Like, all of them. I think I had, like, 10 Baltimore stacks. They all had Mancini. And then I'd, I'd, like, I know Valeka, right? It was, like, all condensed to, like, the top five guys. No Severino, none of that. Especially on FanDuel, where you don't have to play cash. So I looked at that and said, well, I want more diversification of my Orioles stacks. So instead of 10% Mancini, I put 6%. So I put a cap saying, I don't want any more than this amount of Mancini. Now, since I still have the same amount of Orioles stacks, the next run that I build it's going to look and go, okay, let me give you, let me start giving you some Oriole stacks. And it's going to want Mancini, 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 Mancini. And then it's going to go, oh, oh, you only want this much Mancini. Well, it's still going to have to give you more Baltimore stacks. So it has to skip Mancini. So now your Baltimore stack is going to look, you're going to get more Valleca, more Franco, more Severino, more of those guys instead of Mancini. If you're getting too much Mountcastle, you cut him off. 
That's what you could be doing when you're building lineups. I'm playing, you know, you're playing a ton of the Mets. And it's like, where's Dom Smith? It's like, we'll just cut back on your, cut back on, instead of Pilar in 18 lineups, have Pilar in 12 lineups. But you have to tell the optimizers that. That's why you have to look. I sort by my teams and I look at my exposures and go, you know, oh, I have a bunch of Yankee stacks, but I only have one lineup with DJ LeMahieu in it because he doesn't project as well. But I'm betting on teams. So I do, do I really only want one lineup with LeMahieu and have all of them with, all my Yankee stacks are Stanton and Judge? No. Maybe I want more diversification. So I cap their exposure and run it again. So I get more. So it, instead of getting 16% Stanton and 16% Judge, I want 12 and 12. So that extra 4% each has to go to other Yankees. So then now I start getting two lineups with Miguel Andahar in it. I get a lineup with Brett Gardner in it. Okay. Whatever fits, fits. But yes, if, if you want to learn about more about the Optimizer, there are Roto Academy videos for premium members, right? Sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Get $10 off your first month. Click on the link in the description. Use lineup HQ. I, I, I think I, I, I did a good little tutorial about how an optimizer really like thinks, which it doesn't. It doesn't think. Once you understand how what it what the main thing of what it's trying to do, then you can manipulate it all you want. Knowing what knowing you could look ahead and know what it's going to do. And then say, well, I don't want those types of lineups. I want these types of lineups. How do I get it to make these types of lineups? Well, I have to tell it this, this, and that. Ah, oh, these type, these lineups at the bottom are horrible. How do I get these out of here, out of my build, other than deleting them? Well, you got to find a way to tell it to, otherwise that you're going to get this and this and this. I mean, like, it's, it's, just, it's just a dumb calculator. So go look at yesterday's show. Maybe I need to make, like, a quick link or something to it. Because typically, like, that type of show that I did yesterday, that's typically in premium. Okay. Maybe they're mad at me for doing something like that, but I'm showing off. I'm showing up the tools. Lineup HQ. You should be using it. That's what this is what I use. I use everything. I eat my own dog food. That's what it's called. People don't believe me sometimes. Oh, you might, you, you don't use the roto grinder stuff. You use your own stuff. No, I just literally use everything that you could use. Oh, you must have your own projection. No, I use Cardi's projections. I don't have nothing. I don't know. My hands are clean. I use the same things that you you could buy, you could use, you could look at, right? I look at Ralt's weather, right? I look at look at that. I do everything. So why can't why can't you win? You should be able to, right? It's not that complicated. Okay, be a short show today. I got a line. I got a lineup HQ meeting today. We we meet every Wednesday. Go over new features or anything or issues. Stuff like that. I think the baseball stuff is pretty is pretty good. They're gonna be working on the NFL. Then you think of the edit the, the, the new fee. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. I, I'm like I'm I'm user feedback. So like I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Right? They do something, they put it in a test environment, and then I go, okay, this I don't like this. <laughs> or oh, I like it should work this way instead of that way. Like that that that's all I do. I don't what do I know? I just I just use the product, right? That, that's all I do. I'm just a hardcore user of the product. And I'm like, ah, it should be this. Or it should be, this. oh, there's a little bug here that whenever I try to do that, this it never works out this way. Like, is there a way to fix that? A lot of stuff that you wouldn't even know about, right? That's why I said you got to look at the lineups, right? Sometimes you don't realize. So you ever, you ever have it that a you know, lineup comes out late 
and then you're building your lineups. You don't realize that a player was added to the player pool, and it's like all of a sudden you have the eighth hitter of the eight. You have you have uh, Juan Lagares in like 24 lineups for no fucking reason, right? Like because got added because and then you didn't realize it. But yet that's why you gotta look through your lineups. Gotta make sure stuff like that doesn't happen. So give me a thumbs up, thumb me thumbs on your way out the door. Subscribe button if you're new here. Notification bell to know when we go live. We've got MLB Grinders live later today. Uh, for premium members, there's always, uh, for the playoffs, there's an NBA uh, roundtable show uh, that's that's available, uh, I think, I think at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon or something. So for the NBA people, that's for premium. Crunch Time's premium. Line at HQ is premium. So get... Roto Grinders Premium, $10 off your first month. Click on the link in the description. And yes, Frederick Duke. They're got they're the max gap. They're they're gonna have the, the only reason it is the way it is right now is so you can at least sort by that. So you can look and fix lineups if you want to. But to actually implement that in the in the lineup generator is much more complicated. That it's it that that's being done. It's just it's a much bigger project to add. So that's why they, they've added the ability to at least sort by max gap number. So you could sort and see, oh, I have lineups that have a max gap total of like seven. And it's like, okay, I got to fix this one. Right? So you at least could sort by that. So you don't have to go through and manually look at them. Right? So we've at least done that. But yes, that that's the, that's the type of thing that, that would be coming. So should be getting that at, at some point. I don't know. Maybe I'll find out today. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. But I'll see you tomorrow. We'll talk about this slate. We'll talk about tomorrow. I mean, it's Wednesday. It's hump day. Tomorrow's Thursday. And then we get casual Friday. And if you want to, I'll talk about soccer strategy on, on Friday. I mean, I did a little today. If you want to play the, the Euros on DraftKings, uh, because decent prize pools, at least in the beginning, right? Probably two or three weeks in, we'll be back down to like 50K, total or something like that which is still fine hey still better than a lot of esports so go play dfs soccer and uh and i'll see you on uh, on what i normally do on this show review gpp strategy anything you want on the dfs pregame show on rotogrinders.com 